Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the Explaining History podcast and in this episode I want to look at two different ways in which the Holocaust was approached in West Germany after 1949. The era of Konrad Adenauer as Chancellor of Germany threw up a number of challenges to uh, the nascent democracy in West Germany dealing with the legacy not just of the Holocaust itself, but the uh, wider legacy of Germany and the Second World War. So the brilliant book on this subject, and I've uh, drawn from it before, is Divided Memory by Geoffrey Herf, um, which discusses the various ways in East and West Germany that uh, history was remembered. And I think it's really important to look at historical memory from time to time because the way in which the past is remembered really is a very, very selective and um, subjective experience. Uh, The understanding that British people um, have when going to watch Dunkirk, for example, uh, is really, really a different experience to anybody else, and it's a really kind of deep a cultural and socially constructed notion of what the past is and, and what it isn't. And questions of guilt, victimhood and justice, again, are very different and culturally dependent. There were large numbers of people in East and West Germany that saw German people as having been some of the beast victims of the war and some of the uh, bearers of the greatest suffering. And there's some validity to this point of view, again, if you ignore the fact that it was Hitler that really began the war in September 1939. But most German people didn't view themselves as having any accountability or responsibility for that whatsoever. The question of the suffering of the Jews, therefore, often takes a second place in German uh, memory and German uh, mentalities in the 40s and 50s because people looked at their cities bombed to rubble and thought about the million or so rapes perpetrated on German women by the Red Army. They thought about German prisoners still in the Soviet Union 
and large numbers of German people killed in the firebombing of cities like Hamburg. And there was a sense that, uh, well, German people have suffered, you know, it's awful what's happened to the Jews, but look at, look at what happened to us. Now, the two most significant politicians of the era are obviously Comrade Adenauer, the uh, Christian Democratic leader of uh, West Germany from 1949 to 1962, and Kurt Schumacher, the Social Democrat leader. Schumacher, far more an orthodox Marxist, was seen by many in the centre ground of German politics during this period as being... Uh, one of the most indispensable uh, sources of Adenauer's continued power, that there really didn't appear to be a credible opposition on the left to uh, Comrade Adenauer. Uh, Comrade Adenauer looked uh, pragmatically on the question of the past. He said, you know, if you want to establish a democracy in Germany, you need to brush certain things under the carpet, certain unpleasant things, that if they were dragged out into the open, would reignite all sorts of historical and social conflict and make it very difficult to establish a liberal democracy in this country. Schumacher had an entirely different view. Schumacher said, if you do that, then you will store up problems for the future, that in order for democracy to be born, that honesty and truth and must go with it, and there must be a settling of accounts, and the guilty parties must be brought to justice in order for uh, a new chapter in German history to be created. There seem to be merits in both arguments, and there seems to be a kind of actually a degree of realism in both arguments. Though so you might argue in what Schumacher was having to say, there was more idealism there as well. Now, this isn't to portray um, Adenauer as a complete cynic. He was horrified by the German past. He was horrified by the Holocaust and what had happened. But he was of the mindset that the present moment was much more important and it was to preserve the present moment in all of Germany's, uh, West Germany's frailties and vulnerabilities that the struggle had to happen. Adenauer uh, believed that German history needed, in some ways, to be completely derailed. Um, the notion of Sonderweg in German history, of Germany having a special path through history, um, that Germany, every country has this notion of exceptionalism, that they're completely different and they don't follow any of the paths of uh, other countries. But in the eyes of Adenauer, German exceptionalism, the German Sonderweg was much more dangerous um, and this had been shown to be uh, so because of the Second World War. In order to uh, break the power of the Sonderweg, Germany had to be now integrated into the Western Alliance and um, NATO and uh, later the uh, EEC and the, or the EU as it would become. And this would suppress a Nazi or a nationalist revival, whereas a neutral Germany, the German, kind of Germany that Stalin had originally proposed, unify Germany fairly, in a fairly short time scale, keep it neutral, neither in the Warsaw Pact nor NATO, but it would certainly have been fallen within Stalin's sphere of influence eventually. This Germany might not actually become the uh, Stalinist satellite 
that Stalin rather hoped for. Instead, it might actually become a, a dangerously autonomous nation in the eyes of Adenauer. Adenauer essentially felt that Germany, based on its own past, couldn't be trusted to not be in a Western alliance um, if it was simply its own power within Central Europe. He believed all sorts of dangerous tendencies would return to the fore and Nazism might re-establish itself very quickly or a variant thereof. Whether this would have happened in an era of nuclear power um, and Cold War conflict is questionable. Um, I suspect perhaps it wouldn't have done, but what I think is not anywhere near as important or relevant as what Adenauer appeared to believe in the late 1940s and early 1950s. Adenauer had another reason for wanting to embed uh, West Germany within the Western Alliance, and he thought that a religious Christian West, which um, arguably isn't really, um, would be a powerful ally to West Germany in the war against an atheistic communism. Schumacher uh, looked on things rather differently. Schumacher said, well, Germany had, up until Hitler, the largest social democratic party in Europe, and the social democrats have revived themselves. Schumacher had spent most of the war in uh, Dachau and had survived Nazism, um, though his body was you know, really quite badly damaged and his health never really fully recovered. But he said that social democracy had recovered in West Germany, and this meant that there was a robust set of uh, ideologies and traditions and beliefs and um, democratic notions within Germany. It meant that Germany didn't have to, West Germany, didn't really have to rely too much on the Western Alliance to ensure that, Germ- that it remained a democratic society. And Schumacher looked to the way in which integration within into NATO was happening um, under Adenauer's watch. And he said, Adenauer has said specifically to NATO that in order for German West German cooperation, i.e. American bases on West German soil and that kind of thing, it is politic for the NATO allies to allow the question of the Holocaust and of the arrest and prosecution of perpetrators to drop. Therefore, integration into NATO comes at a very dangerous price indeed. It comes at the price of allowing Nazis to slink away uh, into the undergrowth and to re-emerge as pillars of society uh, without the threat of any kind of punishment at all. Germany has to sell quite a significant part of its soul Uh, West Germany has to sell quite a significant part of its soul in order to get into NATO itself. And the person who is selling is Adenauer. Adenauer had an interesting view of uh, Germany and Europe's Jews. The uh, belief that Germany should embrace the uh, Western European uh, democratic modernity and reject its Sonderweg um, had a an understanding of what the Jews represented at its heart. The Jews, in Adenauer's eyes, were an ind- inseparable part of the West, and they were one of the great achievements 
um, and some of the great achievers uh, of Western European modernity. Um, they were part of the development of bourgeois society in the late 19th and early 20th century, and they were an inseparable part of the West and an opponent, in his eyes, of atheistic communism. Adenauer was uh, cautious not to mention the Holocaust directly. This was something that could not really be discussed or articulated, but indirectly he lavished praise on Europe's Jews. And this can be seen in an archive of letters between uh, Adenauer and his oldest friend, uh, Danny Heinemann, a Jewish-Belgian-American businessman and a person who Adenauer had known since uh, before the First World War. In the letters which begin in 1945, uh, the question of the Holocaust is, is never raised. But Adenauer wrote um, highly personal uh, accounts of his fears for Europe, his worries about Soviet communism and the Soviet threat to Europe. And these were translated and given to Eisenhower as a, a convenient way of informing the American president uh, about how the thinking of um, Adenauer was really forming and shaping and, and developing. Anyway, suffice to say, Eisenhower likes what he sees and sees um, Adenauer as a key Cold War ally. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. In some of the letters, he makes the point, and perhaps he knew that they were being passed to Eisenhower for a reading, that uh, the delivery of German suspected war criminals to France, for example, for trial and punishment, had created much uh, bad blood uh, between Germany and France uh, as uh, new allies. And both Adenauer and Kurt Schumacher write that there is a general feeling of anti-militarism in Germany at the end of World War II, uh, deep resentment and anger 
towards the army and a sense that if it hadn't been for a militarism, Europe would Germany would not have been devastated in the way that they had been. Adenauer argued, or had previously argued, that Western occupation uh, rules and policies uh, would be dangerous to efforts uh, to create democracy. They simply seem to create resentment. There's a lot of evidence to suggest that, for example, denazification policies, which were pursued most vigorously in the American sectors and half-heartedly, really, by the British, uh, have a questionable impact on changing any ideas and, and values uh, at all. The um, policies that are implemented in the Western zones of occupation, argues Adenauer, um, far from um, fostering democracy, they keep memories of the war alive and create an unfavourable atmosphere. Adenauer was keen to end denazification, not out of any sympathy for the Nazis, but out of an understanding that what most German people, most West German people, wanted was uh, an ability to inhabit some kind of historical amnesia, as simply the the right to sweep unpleasant truths under the carpet. Denazification policies in West Germany were seen as an unending punishment, and obviously large numbers of people uh, claimed that they had never been Nazis, or they had simply been coerced into being party members, or they had been obliged to take part in some of the uh, crimes of the state. How true this is, is probably almost impossible to gauge, but it was a convenient justification that lots of people had. So they could say, well, all these awful things happened, sure, yeah, but it wasn't me, and I don't need to be reminded of it day in, day out, because I didn't do anything. Danny Heinemann uh, wrote a revealing letter in March 1951 to John J. McCloy, the US High Commissioner for Germany, in which he said, Adenauer's intense Germanism is coupled with a limited experience of foreign countries. It may perhaps be somewhat difficult for him to realise that people west of the Rhine are not too quickly impressed by Germany's good intentions, whatever government may be in office. And Adenauer was kind of on the horns of a dilemma. Obviously, living in Nazi Germany had uh, created a sort of an enforced provincialism, where the uh, it was it was difficult really to for a, a regional politician like Adenauer to have had any knowledge or diplomatic understanding of the outside world. But very soon after becoming Chancellor of Germany. He had to uh, integrate Germany into the Western alliance, and he thought that this could be that by doing this, it would uh, enable uh, a democ- democracy to flourish in Germany that was based on uh, a, a historical amnesia. But actually, part of the price of integrating Germany into the Western alliance in the first place was a full or a fuller acknowledgement of Germany's crimes. Western leaders were not entirely happy about embracing a Germany that simply said it, it hadn't really done anything. And it's not particularly because the uh, leaders of Britain, France, America and other countries were above a bit of cynicism themselves, but their populations having to make friends 
with their most recent mortal enemies had to have some kind of gesture from Germany that it was serious about moving on from the Nazi past and able to acknowledge what that past actually was. In the election of the summer of 1949, um, which was based largely on what kind of economic model uh, Germany, West Germany would follow, the uh, plan that was set out by Adenauer was um, a vote to end denazification, a vote to end the trials of former Nazi officials, uh, a vote to stop the purges of former Nazi party members from industry and the civil service. And even though Adenauer is clearly an anti-Nazi figure, his victory uh, creates in the elections creates a Bundestag um, which has a significant majority in favour of ending the discussion about Nazi-era crimes. And he was able to tap into a sense of German victimhood. So his first speech uh, to the Bundestag, uh, he said that essentially great progress had been made in Germany since 1945, but he said, uh, and I quote, Germany and the German people are not yet free or equal to others, and the, the two Germanys were now divided. And then he says something quite extraordinary. He says, denazification had brought out much unhappiness and harm, and that he said that those who are really guilty of crimes committed during the National Socialist period and in the war should be punished with all severity, but that um, in Germany uh, should not be divided into two classes, those without political blemishes and those with such blemishes. And this distinction must become overcome as soon as possible. Now, what he was saying there, really, um, and this is was very popular stuff he was saying, was that obviously, you know, the the Goerings and the Himmlers deserved what they got, but the uh, end to denazification um, was a, a, a positive thing. Because there were a great many people who, yes, had been in the Nazi party and perhaps really uh, regretted it now and really hadn't really done anything particularly awful but were being made to uh, suffer for it as well by hyper-judgmental and over-zealous prosecutors and investigators. And when he talks about two classes, those with political blemishes and those um, with no such blemishes, the idea of, of a blemish, you know, an, an unfortunate um, entry in a ledger of Nazi party membership against one's name that, reduce, that destroys an otherwise valuable career and a, a morally upstanding life. That is a, uh, a way of kind of exploring and using what is a significant grey area in German life. Um, you know, historians like Ian Kershaw and Richard J. Evans show that Yes, there were large numbers of people that were sort of compromised by Nazism and involved with Nazism on a whole range of different levels who uh, interacted, took what they could from Nazism, tried to stay out of trouble. The, uh, this sort of vast grey area of complicated interactions with the regime, which didn't make them uh, Heinrich Himmler, but it certainly didn't make them, you know, Sophie Scholl at the other end of the spectrum either. Adenauer said, The government of the Federal Republic, 
in the belief that many have subjectively atoned for a guilt that was not heavy is determined where it appears acceptable to do so to put the past behind us, i.e. to offer an amnesty. Uh, on the other hand, it's absolutely determined to draw the necessary lessons from the past regarding all those who challenge the existence of our state, whether they come now from right-wing radicalism or left-wing radicalism. Far more often, uh, Adenauer spoke out about the fate of prisoners of war, uh, German prisoners of war in the Soviet Union. He seems to have made, after 1945, really only one major um, utterance about the Jews and about how unacceptable anti-Semitism in Germany was. But he spoke uh, repeatedly uh, about the fate of German POWs in Russia. Schumacher pointed out that in all of uh, Adenauer's speeches he had uttered not one word about the anti-Nazi resistance or victims of uh, fascism. He said that uh, one could not be against Nazism without thinking about its victims and by establishing uh, a hierarchy uh, among them. In response to Adenauer's only comment about the Jews, Schumacher said, What was said in Adenauer's government statement about the Jews yesterday and the frightful tragedy of the Jews in the Third Reich was too feeble and too weak. Resigned comments and a tone of regret in this matter don't help at all. It is not only the duty of international socialists to place the fate of German and European Jews in the forefront of attention and to offer help where it is needed. It is also the duty of every German patriot to do so. By the extermination of six million Jewish human beings, Hitler barbarism disgraced the German people. We will have to bear the consequences of this disgrace for the unforeseeable future. Of the 600,000 German Jews today in the four occupation zones, only 30,000 most old and ill remain. Uh, 600,000 he meant in pre-war Germany. And even they repeatedly experienced shameful and degrading episodes. In Germany, no political current should forget that every form of nationalism has anti-Semitic effects. And that every form of anti-Semitism fosters nationalism. Such trends would bring about Germany's voluntary isolation from the world. Anti-Semitism rests on ignorance and of the great contributions of German Jews to the German economy, German intellectual life, to German culture, and to the fight for German freedom and German democracy. Today the German people would be better off if these strengths of Jewish intellect and economic potential were included in the construction of a new Germany. Despite Schumacher's brave comments and his ability to really shame uh, Adenauer in his reticence to speak about the Holocaust at all, the uh, American High Commissioner of Germany uh, commissioned a poll in November 1949 and the survey found that only 30% of respondents rejected National Socialism outright and 59% thought it had been a good idea badly carried out. In eight nationwide surveys uh, between 1951 and December 1952, uh, 41% of respondents said more good than evil uh, came from Nazi ideas, and only 36% saw more evil than good. 
There were only 4% uh, that thought that all Germans bore a certain guilt for Germany's actions during the Third Reich, and only 21% felt some responsibility for rectifying these wrongs. This meant that um, there was little public appetite for what Schumacher had to say, and this unfortunately reflected in the SPD's uh, electoral uh, successes, or lack thereof, throughout the Adenauer era. Okay, so I hope you found that useful, especially if you're looking at the Holocaust and or West Germany in the uh, post-war era. Um, do remember to give us a good thumbs up on iTunes. A good review always goes a long way. And if you can check out our Patreon page, that would be absolutely terrific too. Thanks very much. All the best. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.